0: So how many people, it's springtime, kind of. Didn't we? It's like we had winter, then we had summer, and now we have spring. Anybody starting their, like, to-do list for, like, fixing up their house? Because every one of us, none of us want to do it in the winter. We want a blanket and a TV show, and that's it. But in the summertime, right, like, we see, like, there's two hands, there's multiple things going on. We decorate our home, we fix up our home, we do all these things. And see, at our house, we ended up... um, selling our pool and buying a different one, and it's been fun, but it's been a process to put this thing up, and yesterday, I finally laid the sod around it, so it looks finished, and it looks good, and there's a couple little things I have to do, but then, of course, everything snowballs, right? Anybody do a job and be like, this will take me, like, two days, and, like, two months later, you're still working on stuff, but it's not the same job, but it's just connected, and as we walk through this, and as every job, like, I remember when Melissa will say to me, like, how long do you think this will take? I'm like, anywhere from like two hours to two weeks. She's like, why two weeks? Just to be safe. (laughs) Who knows where it's gonna go? And so we're doing this and as we're working on this, of course now the pool's a little bit bigger pool, so I have to move my shed. And I already had to kind of work on my shed anyway because the floor was rotten, so it's good timing. But I have to move my shed, which means I have to move my canoe, which means I need more sod and more topsoil and all this kind of fun stuff, right? And so it's just snowballing. It's just going. And so I just look, and I'm like, I'm going to be busy working for a while. And so it's fun. I enjoy it because I actually enjoy working with my hands and doing stuff. And there's one thing about ministry that if you've never been in ministry, you don't really feel like you can't really check a box and be like, that's done. It's good. Like, you don't really, you're just always working and pro, process, uh, proceed, forget the word, and you're going, see, you can't even say, like, I said it right, and so you just keep going, and then all of a sudden, like, when you do something at home, like, when I finished laying the sod, I was able to step back and go, that's done, and so there's a joy in it, there's excitement, but it's always more, there's always stuff going on, and any man, as you're getting closer to Father's Day, if you have a honey to-do list, it's like you stroke one off, and you're like, where did those five come from? And so you just keep working and it's fun, you enjoy it. But as I started doing these updates and as we talk about other updates and we talk about different things, it kind of hit me this week. It hit me a little bit asking the question that we spend so much time and energy talking about, planning, figuring out colors and different things we're going to do on our house. I started wondering, what is God's house supposed to look like? And this isn't a sermon about, hey, help us update the church. That's not it at all. I actually want to talk about not just God's house, but your house. What's it look like for God? And how much energy do we put into designing our home for God more than just paint and more than just structure? All of these things are good. Don't get me wrong as I'm talking about it. I enjoy doing stuff. But it's that moment of like, I put so much energy and time and trying to figure out and think about when you're trying to paint, how many paint colors you look at and all these different things and, and you try to figure it all out. But how much time do we actually sit and go, okay, what do we need to change in our home so there's more of God? What do we need to reno or demo out of our home so there's more of God? Do we put in the same amount of energy and time See, last week we talked about how God chose to love us and we are supposed to love others. So his house is supposed to be loving. His house is supposed to be a house of love and warmth and welcome. And I love talking to people that are newer to the church and asking them, like, why did you choose to attend Bethel? Because I believe there's a lot of other great churches in town. So I'm like, why did you choose to stay here? It's always that dangerous question because you're kind of like, what are they going to say? You never want to ask when they leave because you're like, oh, I don't know. But it's the only way you find out too, right? So you improve. And so you try to figure out and you ask people like, what makes you decide to stay? And so many people respond with, it was loving. People love me. That's why we're even having the, bar, or the picnic this afternoon is so that everybody can get together and get to know each other and love each other. And just there's a lot of times where if you look in this room, if you look from one side to the other, you won't even know the person that attends our church. But this afternoon, you can kind of hang out and chill and get to know each other and love on each other and welcome people to the house of the Lord. I shared a video that somebody posted on our Facebook page, and, and it was Carl Lance talking, and he's a pastor from New York, and he was talking about a lady or a guy who was coming to his church. And he said he, doesn't, he didn't believe in Jesus, but he just kept coming every Sunday, and he finally started admitting he came for the hugs. He came because people loved him and it was the only week, the only day of the week that he might get a hug or somebody might actually talk to him. And he pretended when it was time to shake hands or hug, he would be like, oh, I don't want to do this. But inside he said, it was like, ah, oh, I'm loved. And he accepted Jesus because of that. Not because of a great message or great worship or anything like that, but just because he felt loved. And so we know the house of God is supposed to be loving But Isaiah 56, 7 says this, Even them I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. His church is supposed to be a place of prayer. We're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be interceding. It says, for all nations. In the original Greek or Hebrew, the word for nations is people. For all people. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. This place is a house of prayer and a house of love for everybody. Can I stretch you for a moment? For some of you, for some of you, it's like, well, of course, Chad, but for some... This house is supposed to be so loving and so open to prayer for everybody that that parade could walk in the store and sit down and they should be felt welcomed. We're called to love. We love everybody. And it's through love that people find Jesus. It's not through correction from us. It's not through looks. It's through love. And when we love people, we open their hearts to Jesus Christ. The house of God is supposed to be a place for everyone to speak to God. Walter A. Elwell says this about prayer. His definition is the addressing and petitioning of God, prayer to a god or gods in a future, in a feature of many, if not all, religions. But here the attention will be restricted to the biblical teaching and some of its implications. The classic definition of Christian prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. For the things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ, with confessions of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. We offer our desires for things agreeable to his will. I came to a conclusion sometimes I don't get answered prayers because they're not agreeable to his will. I didn't ride here this morning on a Harley. At this moment, it's not agreeable to his will. Still believing. <laughs> but sometimes we don't have stuff. Sometimes God didn't answer the prayer because he knows better. And I thought you said it so well that sometimes we concentrate so much on these moments, we forget about eternity. God doesn't give us some things because he knows what it will do to our hearts. What if you got that answer to prayer, would you still be serving God? Well, of course I would, Chad. Do you know that? Because I know he knows that answer. So many of us in this room, if we're going to be honest, and this could be awkward for a second, you're sitting beside a spouse that you honestly didn't pray for at first, you were praying for somebody else. <laughs> and now, as Garth Brooks says, you thank God for unanswered prayers. If he answered that first prayer and you were married to somebody else, would you still be sitting here this morning? I probably wouldn't be. Not that you're plan B, you're plan A. <laughs> Things
1: have
0: Mike, did I save that one? Little okay. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for uh, bringing that revelation real fast to my head. That was not the way it was supposed to be. If you're new with us, this happens a lot. God knows more than we know. So, in those moments where we don't understand, we need to trust that He knows. And here's something, I just want to, I share this before and I share it many times, but I want you to grasp something and just be comfortable with it. Be comfortable with not understanding all of God. Because if you understand all of God, he's no longer God. And so I'm comfortable with the fact that if you ask me a question, I may not know the answer because he's God and I'm Chad. God knows. God knows. And there has to be some sort of peace in that. Confessions of our sins. He says, with confessions of our sins and thankful acknowledgments of his mercy. I understand that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're no longer classified as sinners, but we are righteous and we are sons and daughters of God. But if that your understanding is that means you never sin again, you're wrong. I understand that you're not a sinner, but I love in a starting point when Annie Stanley goes, "No, no, we don't make mistakes. We sin. That we need to understand that we still need to confess not mistakes but sins to Jesus Christ." I wish all I did was make mistakes, but there are many times where I sin. I realize that my old flesh is supposed to be dead, but there's times where he likes to show his ugly face. I could be the only one, and I'm fine with that. But it makes me thankful, so thankful, oh, so thankful for Jesus' mercies. They are new every month. No? Every morning. Do you realize every morning, when do you wake up? In the morning. You wake up and he's like, I got mercy for you today. Don't even worry about today. I haven't even done anything. I know. But I still got you covered. New every morning. His mercies are new. He even said himself, Jesus says in Mark 11, 17, then he taught them saying, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. We won't get into fully what he's talking about, but he himself is saying, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Don't make it something else. Love people, pray. Love people, pray. Love people, pray. Love people. Pray. Jesus was so nice, he even told us how to pray. In Matthew 6, many of us know it. Let's, you know what, let's say it together. It's going to be on the screen so we don't get confused on what version we're going to go by. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you realize? Just to hit it one more time for a second, because I think people need to understand Jesus, who's the one who died and saved us, is actually the one telling us every day we do need to say, forgive us. Later, he talks about if we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive others. If we don't forgive others, we actually are not forgiven. We don't like that scripture verse. We want God's mercy, but no mercy for others. What if our mercies were new every morning? Not just to receive, but to give. To give. Yeah, but Chad, you don't understand I might not understand, but I know what Scripture says, and I have to apply it to my life, and you don't understand what's in my life. By no means do I say that that is easy. And by no means do I say it's easy to forgive others when you've been genuinely hurt. But God's love and mercy will give you the power. The grace of God will allow you to forgive others. Can I explain one other thing? When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you have to trust them again. I think sometimes we get confused with that. We get confused with me saying, okay, I forgive you, so now let's hug, let's hang out, let's be best friends. Let's No. The Bible says as much as it is with you, live at peace with others. But it doesn't mean we have to hang out and chill all the time. Forgiveness is required. Trust is earned. Two cents, I felt like somebody needed that this morning. Helps to forgive, to realize it doesn't mean you restore the relationship. See, the thing is, is when we pray, and when it says here, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that it is in heaven, do you realize that when we pray, change is going to happen? As we, this morning, declare Jesus' name, and some of you took the step to yell it, to shout his name, to show how desperate you are for him to move in the moment, in the situation, I believe things changed. I believe as you walk out of this place today, it's not the same. The enemy will try to lie to you because he's a punk. There's moments where you have to remind the enemy and probably remind yourself that was dealt with. That was dealt with. Oh, that was dealt with. And we move on. Yeah, but you didn't know that was dealt with. Chad, do you remember what they, yep, that was dealt with. Yeah, but they said this, yep, but that was dealt with. There's many times I have to remind myself that was dealt with. I extended forgiveness. And in that moment, sometimes if it's still there, I'll forgive again. Because I feel like I have to. Oh, if it's still there, one enemy, your punks will get lost, and two, I forgive. I want you to know that's I will tell the enemy, I will call him a punk and I'll tell him to get lost. Because he tries to harass us. If he can distract you, he will. Prayer shifts and changes things. We are supposed to be lo- sight, uh, salt and light on this earth, and I love the way the Message Bible says that we are supposed to bring a new flavor and a different color to different situations. See, when we say salt and light, we don't really get it, but when we say you are supposed to bring a different color to a situation, you are supposed to bring a different flavor to a situation, we somewhat understand that. That is different, it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be different. James 5 tells us this about prayer. Verse fifteen: And prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise, raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that they may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it would, no, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now I realize in the house at the moment there's people struggling with unanswered prayers, and I will not try to explain those. It's where we trust the Lord and we lean not on our own understanding. And so by no means when I speak the next few minutes, I'm not addressing any situations. Because God. I trust God, I don't know. But I find it interesting when I read this verse. This is from my own personal life. As I read this verse, I find it interesting that when James starts in verse 15, he says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will rise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And then in verse 16, he flips it. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I struggle so many times praying for sick and, and praying for healing and and Miles is out, right? I pray for healing and I see healing. I'm gonna try to hold it together. I wasn't planning on doing this. Pray for healing. And I see healing in people's bodies. We've seen it on a Sunday morning. I know it's all by God's power and all by his glory. And then I have to lay beside my son when he's asking, why won't God heal me? And I pray for healing, but I can't. I know it's not me, but I can't heal him. I don't understand. By no means will I try to explain it. There's struggles, there's tension. There's tension. When we serve God but our responsibility is to pray I'm not supposed to be able to explain it to you I wish I could I wish I could explain it to him because he sat in this room and at his age he's not connecting yet but he sees his dad pray for people people get healed so there's tension it's hard I don't know But we still pray and we believe because just because an experience happened, it doesn't change my theology. It doesn't change my understanding of who Christ is because if my experience changes who Christ is, my experience does not affect who his character is. And we have to understand that we don't always understand. And there has to be a peace in that. Certain moments, I understand there's no peace in it. And that's where we ask God for the peace that passes all understanding. And the nice thing is he's faithful to give. But I find it interesting, again, I'm talking to myself, I'm just sharing it with you. That when James flips it, And he doesn't say, pray for the sick and forgive sins. He says, confess your sins, then pray for healing because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have to self-examine. I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to you. I want you just to listen to my inner thoughts. If God is God and I am Chad, is there things that I need to get right so that my prayers are more righteous and effective. I'm talking about myself. I'm not, I don't want you to think I'm preaching to anybody in the room. I'm talking to myself. These are my wrestles with myself. Because I read the word of God and I believe the word of God is true. If God doesn't change, if he's not different, then it's got to be me. Now I understand, don't get me wrong. I understand things happen because it's part of God's plan, but I don't get it. But there's moments where I read scriptures like this and I read, Elijah was a human being even as we are. I don't know about you, but read about Elijah. Just have some fun. If you want to see some crazy stuff, read about this guy. What he did. What he believed for. One of the coolest things for me isn't even the fact that he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years and then he prayed and it rained. The coolest part is as the rain came, I still think it's amazing. The scripture says he tucked his cloak in and ran ahead of the chariots. That's the flash before Marvel. <laughs> like, do you understand? Like, when you read it, like, you skim through this stuff. This stuff, the, the odd stuff jumps out at me. Like, he ran in front of the chariots. I want you to know when he told the king, get going because the storm is coming. The king would not be like, oh, let's just do a little walk. Let's do a little trot. No, he's got that chariot a moving. And all of a sudden, he's standing there, and the man of God just goes. <laughs> Elijah was a human being, even as we are. The stuff that he did, we can do. Don't try to race me. I don't, that ain't happening. (laughs) It's amazing when you think of this stuff. And it's all because of how he prayed. And his heart. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't, or be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious for anything. You don't have to be around long in our society to understand that right now, anxiety and depression and everything is just running rampant. And it affects probably majority of the people in this room. There's a part of it where I believe there's, there is physical things and there's spiritual things and I think they all overlap and it's so hard. But there's a part of this where Scripture says, "Be anxious for nothing; in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God." Grace was sharing some Scripture in pre-service prayer in Psalm sixty-eight, one. It's not on the screen. It says, "Let God arise, and let your enemies, let His enemies, be scattered." Psalms 44.5, through our God, we will push down our enemy. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. Psalms 68.1 and Psalms 44.5. There are moments where the enemy wants to pull us away from God. I always tell people, if you can't sleep at night, pray you will fall asleep. And I know that might sound unspiritual, but I truly believe, I had a mentor tell me when I was walking through depression and stuff, he told me, he's like, Chad, the enemy wants to pull you away from God. So he'll put thoughts in your head and he'll he'll harass you to try to get you not thinking about God. So what you need to do in those moments is you need to begin to worship God. You need to begin to thank him for things. And as you begin to do that, the enemy will get quiet. Because what's happening is, as he goes to bug you, you're actually pushing towards God. And as you push towards God, he realizes that what he's doing is actually uh, counterintuitive. He's trying to pull you away, and you're drawing close. And so he actually backs away. So at night, when he's trying to keep you awake so you can't be functional the next day and do a job well and represent him well, and you begin to praise the Lord and begin to thank the Lord and begin to just love on Jesus not asking Jesus for stuff, thanking him and praising him for who he is, you'll fall asleep peacefully because he doesn't want you actually getting closer. He wants to pull you away so the moment you press in, he'll back off. Now it takes a long time and you have to and there's days where it works for me and there's days where it doesn't. But Robert Louis Stevenson, a Scottish novelist, he writes this, keep your eyes open to your mercies, the man who forgets To be thankful has fallen asleep in life. Even right now, I guarantee you, you could turn to the person beside you and tell them one thing you're thankful for. Go for it. One thing. See, I did this before. You know what's fun about it? I told you before, all your faces have smiles now. I should probably get up every time I preach and be like, tell the person beside you something you're thankful for. And then everybody's just smiling. Because sometimes verbalizing is just what I said the last few weeks. If you're happy, you know it. Tell your face. Sometimes when you say it out loud, it tells your face and you smile there's so many things to be thankful for. Yes, we go through hard times, but don't let the enemy distract you from all of the blessings. Worship the Lord and give him thanks. First Thessalonians 5:17 says, "Pray without ceasing." We are supposed to pray without ceasing. I also believe we're supposed to worship God without ceasing. We're supposed to give him praise all of the time. Celebrate the small things. I still thank God for closed parking spots because I hate walking. I pray and thank God all the time for money, money still in the meter because I am cheap. Actually, I'll be honest. If the meter still has a lot in it, I drop it in the one beside it because I think if God bless me, let me try to bless somebody else. I don't know about you, but I hate getting tickets as well. I thank God for green lights. There are many times where I'm behind schedule and I'll say, Lord, I need to get there. And all of a sudden, when I reach my destination, I'm like, hey, I made it on time. That was weird, and it just hits me. I didn't stop at any lights, and I didn't run any red. (laughs) Or yellows. (laughs) Bumping into a friend. I thank God when I bump into friends in stores. I thank God when I bump into people and able to just talk for a minute. Even though sometimes it throws off my schedule, I thank God because there's moments where maybe I bump into Mike and Mike needed to have a conversation and then there's moments where I needed to have the conversation. So I thank God for those moments. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say, thank you. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We need to pray together. We need to pray together and seek God for things to happen. And when we pray together, it shifts stuff. I know I just had you talk to each other and say something you're thankful for, but I actually want to stretch you a little bit. If you're new with us and you're like, this guy is crazy, you can just sit still and think I'm crazy. But if you're sitting beside somebody and you feel comfortable, take a minute right now. I want you to pray for each other. Don't even ask. Don't ask what to pray for. Just put your hand on their shoulder and pray right now just for a minute. Go ahead. We need to pray for each other. Don't even ask what to pray for. Just begin to pray. So just imagine. Imagine what our homes would look like if we devoted the same time and energy and planning into spiritual design of our home as we put into the physical design of our homes. Imagine if we sat down And went through different scriptures and figured out, what should our home look like? Instead of paint chips, scripture. Don't get me wrong, paint your house, it's fine. But what should your home look like, spiritually? What should it look like? What should it feel like as people walk in? We should paint this room this color because it's warm as people walk into the house. What should our home feel like when people step through our doors? What do they sense in their spirit? I just encourage you, challenge you. What will our homes look like if we put the same time and energy into planning the spiritual design of our homes as we do into the physical design? So as as we all plan our summer and projects around the house, take time to figure out what should we shift in our homes because joshua says in 24:15 and it seem if it seems evil to you if it seems evil to you serve the lord choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served or whether the other side of the on the other side that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the ammonites in whose land you dwell so we're going to serve the world or we're going to serve God. But for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. So men, as we come close to even Father's Day, I just challenge you for a moment. As men of your home, you don't have to memorize the whole verse, but probably just that last line. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We will take time for him. We will pray. So let's pray together. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, I thank you that, Father, couples can stand together and declare your name. And so, Father, we just pray right now for just, not just over couples, but over individuals' lives right now, that there's just a release of your presence. And that, Father God, relationships are restored throughout this room. And that, Lord God, homes are shifted because... Today, individuals and couples are declaring that as for me and my house, we will praise the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will declare how great he is. Now, Father, when we're in our workplaces, we'll begin to praise who you are so that people around us begin just to see a glow on our face. We don't have to be loud. We don't have to be weird. But, Father God, we can declare your love and places will be changed in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I pray for a blessing over every home in this house right now. That, Father God, every home will be just moved with your presence. And so, Father, I pray for restored relationships. I pray for restored homes in Jesus' name. And so, Father, let your light shine. In your name we pray.
1: And if you just have had um, that unforgiveness in your heart, let's just, I'll just pray on behalf of you. And you can just agree with me. Father God. For those in this room who uh, just need to ask forgiveness for holding a judgment against their spouse, for not being the spiritual leader or be the spiritual one or making the first move, Father God, um, we just repent on behalf of this church, Father God, yes, on God. behalf of every couple, Father God, we repent and we say, forgive us for judgments against our spouses or, or um, expectation that we haven't even put on ourselves. And Father God, I pray that right now um, that every curse um, against or or, or every place where the enemy has had access into our homes through being divided, we bind that in the name of Jesus. We renounce any any agreement with the enemy of of of, of uh, bringing judgment against our spouse. We break that off in Jesus' name. We sever it with the fiery sword of the Spirit. Yes, and Father Lord. God, we just command the enemy and any device of Spirit to go back to the foot of the cross where Jesus will deal with you. And Father God, we welcome you into our homes. We welcome you into our relationships relationships. We welcome you. And Father God, I thank you, God, that that you are even causing our emotions and our minds to become agreeable to yours. Father God, that we are going to feel emotions that we haven't felt. Father God, that you are going to cause us to um, to um, pray together and, and to not, um, to let anything that the enemy um, would bring in uh, get in the way. And so, Father, thank you for empowering us by your Holy Spirit to stand firm against the enemy. And so, Father God, thank you for what you're doing in marriages. In your name, amen.
0: So, Father, let us be a light for you. Guide us and lead us, Lord. Let us shine bright. And, Lord, let our homes be that place where people find Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.